what's up, fam? He beat me to my own punchline. Hey, no, it's a beautiful day. Uh, inversion, apparently, is that what this is? It's, it, it's wonderful. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm, I lived in Minnesota for three years, and uh, I love the cold. I'm all about it. Uh, I think the coldest I've been in is negative 55. That was freezing. Like, that was cold. But this is not, this, this is just, I go outside, man. I'm just, I'll sunbathe out here right now. Like, this is good. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's, no, I won't do that. Um, no, hey, I wanted to just let you know real quick. Uh, Pastor Stan told me to tell you guys, uh, but yesterday Chris did test positive for COVID. Um, so that is not to be of fearful fret or to worry. Uh, it's just saying, hey, I know you already pray for them, but now you can say, hey, God, I rebuke this thing in Jesus' name over their lives. No, this isn't happening. Uh, so you can just be praying for them as they recover. Um, I don't know what it is, but sometimes there's like this shame of like, you have COVID? <laughs> What'd you do? Like, uh, I'm a human being and I live in 2022. That's what I did. So uh, if we could just be praying for them as a body, like I said, like I know you already do, uh, but just be lifting Chris up in prayer as they are recovering and getting through this thing. I know they're watching online. So Pastor Stan, Chris, love you guys so much. Hope your uh, couch is comfy and uh, hopefully you got a good, a good coffee this morning. So uh, anyways, that's what they're doing. They're relaxing at home, getting over this thing. So again, just be praying for them as they uh, fully recover and recuperate uh, from this dumb thing going around. Around. Um, wrong password. There we go. Uh, but this morning, I wanted to continue along in the same series that Pastor Stan has been going through called Climate Change. Again, this has nothing to do with whether or not you believe anything about uh, climate change in real life happening. What we're talking about is the climate of your heart. What is the atmosphere that your life is producing is what we're talking about is, is what's going on in your home, what's going on in your life. And do you need some change there? Uh, me, I'm completely honest. I need change in my life. There's areas of my life where I say, you know what? Uh, yeah, I need some climate change in this area of my life. I need the atmosphere of this department of Stevie Nicks to change a little bit. I need something to alter and change in this area. And, and I'm sure there's areas of your lives that we can all say, yes, I need change. If you do not uh, need change in your life, I'm going to ask that you would please come kick me off the stage and instruct us on your perfection. Uh, that would be amazing. No, but seriously, I, I think all of us have an area of our lives where we need change, where we need something uh, in our heart, in our lives, in our homes, in our kids, in our marriage, in our careers, whatever it may be. We all need change. I think we can all agree on that, that, hey, even if it's good, I believe it can be better. And if it's bad, I believe it can be better. And so that's what we're talking about is the atmosphere of you. Is do you need some climate change? And so this morning, as I get into it, um, it's not that I want to share a bad story of my past or like a sad story of my past, um, but I think it really helps drive a point home. Uh, I think it's also something that we can relate to. I think we've all um, gone through the same struggle. I'm about to share um, a little bit on just a pain of a, a, a memory that I have uh, of, of something that really holds, not, not holds me back, but it's like, man, like that part of my life, like that was terrible. Like that was the worst experience I've ever had. Uh, I think it's something that we can all relate to. And almost, I only share this story this morning uh, because it drives the point home. It really, really helps drive a point home. So uh, let, me, let me get into it. You're wondering what in the world are you gonna talk about? Uh, back in April of 2007, I was living in Minnesota. 
I was in Bible college and uh, life was good. It was awesome. We were traveling. Uh, I was able to travel and preach and, and travel and do worship and, and travel and do like skits and things like this and, and theatrics uh, all at like youth, con- youth conventions and youth conferences and jails, juvenile halls. I, I've been there, done it. It's, it was awesome. I, I, I thoroughly was enjoying my time. And so I was, I was there. It was my first year of Bible college and uh, a group of, our, um, of people from our internship drove down to Arkansas to go do a youth rally. I stayed home at this time. And so I was there in Minnesota, just hanging out and just doing Bible college stuff and going to Starbucks way too much. And uh, so we're there and we're having a great time and they leave and um, we're like, hey, cool guys, see you like in a couple weeks, go have fun. They got a couple uh, stops they were doing, a couple youth rallies they were doing. Uh, It's like spring break time uh, there in the South. So they're going through Arkansas and Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Missouri, going through all the states. And uh, it was just any normal day. And uh, anytime we showed up to a church or to a convention place, we would always have to plug in our um, speakers, our sound system, our lights. It was all state-of-the-art stuff. Just it took a lot of power. And so you can't just walk in and be like, oh, an outlet, plug in. Like, no, we needed to like access the control panel um, at the church or whatever it may be we were at. And uh, this one day, my friend Adam is back. I don't know if you've ever looked on the inside of a control panel. Anybody, anybody, right? uh, just a few months ago, uh, Robert G. Vino and I were in that back room and we took the panel off and I basically ran out of the room. Like I was like, no, I'm good. Like, I don't want to be around this thing. I'm all right. And uh, Robert, who does this for a living, Robert G. Vino is one of our board members. Uh, his hands are sweating as he's working with these open wires. And I'm like, bro, like, I'm so glad I'm not you right now. Like I know electricity in humans doesn't go well together, but electricity, water in humans, I know that's really bad. So I was like, I'm gonna stand like six feet away from you right now, social distancing, right? And I'm just, you're good, bro, you got this, right? Uh, no, I, I was right there by his side so that if anything happened, I was with my boy. But anyways, no, thankfully nothing happened. Uh, but anyway, like, they're scary. The control panels are, are scary. Uh, no matter if it's at home or whatever, if you're wondering what that is, it's the place where the breaker box is. So like when the light starts working, you have to go in the garage and you flip the thing back over and it starts working again. Talk about that and take the cover off. It's a nightmare, okay? Nightmare on Elm Street, right there. There it is, okay? And uh, I'm terrified. And so anyways, my buddy Adam was opening this panel up and they're plugging in, you know, 220 power. I don't even know what that means. I just like to pretend that I do. So they're plugging in some power to it. And uh, the saddest thing happened is something crazy happened with the electricity and my, my friend Adam, and he got shocked by the power coming into the building. And not only that, it also caused a huge fireball. So the entire room went up in flames and they basically came diving out the door on fire. Uh, it was him and the lead pastor of the church there in Arkansas uh, when they were, they were working on the panel together. And uh, it was terrifying, obviously. Um, you know, it's not every day. I, again, I wasn't there, my friends were there. It's not every day you see your friend on fire. Um, it's not every day you see electricity happen to blow up in someone's face like that. And so um, Adam got really hurt. Uh, He had third degree burns all over his body. And uh, apparently there was a really good burn unit in Tulsa. So they flew him from Arkansas to Tulsa basically right away. I mean, he got to the hospital and they were like, get the helicopter, take him, he's gone. And so they flew him to Tulsa and we were having like nightly prayer meetings for him. At this point, he had been in the hospital for about a week. And uh, so every night, like we're coming together as like a group of Bible college on fire for Jesus people, uh, the group that we're with our internship program, we're coming together and we are praying every night for Adam. And it was like, whoa, like Adam's recovering. This is amazing. Uh, He's doing really well. They started to do some skin grafts and it was like really coming together. And the doctor said, hey, look, uh, he's gonna have, he has third degree burns. So 
Obviously, there's going to be some scars and he'll never look the same, but things were looking up and the doctor reports we were getting was, hey, this is going fairly well. And so we're like, yes, like God, here's our prayer. And uh, all of a sudden on May 2nd, he got some weird, rare disease in the hospital and his entire small intestine shut down and he died shortly thereafter. It was like a dramatic turn that none of us saw coming. It was, it was shocking. I mean, you're getting nothing but good reports from the doctors. You're having nightly prayer meetings. You think God is moving and all of a sudden, one of your best friends is dead. It, it was shocking to me. As an individual, I was, I was hurt. Like I was broken. Let me give you a little backstory on why this man meant so much to me. Well, when I was a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid running the streets and doing all my stuff, Adam was the one who was touring like I got to do eventually, but he, he was the one traveling around. And every time he saw me, he remembered my name. He walked up to me, hey, Stevie, how you doing? And this is someone who meets tons of people. This is someone who travels the entire United States, uh, again, churches, youth conventions, camps, conferences, whatever it may be. And yet every time he saw me, he knew who I was. And now as a 14 year old kid, I, I didn't really think much of it. But when I got saved at 17 and I really gave my life to Jesus, it was because Adam, it was because this guy was there and he encouraged me, he coached me, he told me what life was really like and, and helped me to overcome things and helped me to get through it and to finally make the decision to say, you know what, man, I'm all in with Jesus. And now every May 2nd, as it comes around, I celebrate uh, the life that he lived. Yes, he was, he's gone way too soon. I mean, absolutely way too soon. But if not for him, I, I wouldn't be a, a Christian today. I, I wouldn't be following Jesus. It was because of Adam that I actually said, you know what, man, I'm, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. I wanna be like that guy. I, I wanna be on fire for Jesus and yet still have friends and still be cool and still, I'm, I'm not cool, I get it. But, <laughs> but it, it, was, it was a guy who encouraged me so much. And even as a friend, he became a coach to me. He became someone I looked up to, someone that I admired and someone who I knew genuinely cared about me and I cared about him. And so as an individual, when this happened, I, I was broken. Like I was hurt, I was sad, I was torn down. I think all of us can relate to losing a loved one and how you feel in that moment. But what I also experienced in the midst of the hurt and the brokenness, I found a hope with the people around me because we started to realize, hold on a second. Like Adam is not, gone. Like, yes, he's off of earth, but he's in heaven. He's with the one we preach about all the time. Like he's with the person we're trying to lead everyone to. So it became less of like a, I'm going to mourn this. It became more of, I'm going to celebrate that a great man of God is now resting in the throne room of Jesus. That's amazing. And together as a group of individuals, yes, broken, but came together and we found a strength that we didn't know we had. We, we found an encouragement, we found a hope that we really didn't know existed. It was, it was so tangible and so real that everything we did was now in view of eternity. It was, no man, like we're leading people to Jesus. This is why, because we had no idea that that day as Adam left uh, and to drive down to Arkansas, I had no idea that would be the last time I would give him a high five, a hug, be like, bro, I love you, have a great time. I had no idea that would be the last time I saw him. You have no idea when it's gonna be the last time any of us are gonna see any of us. It, it can happen so unexpectedly, just out of nowhere like that. And, and what I learned from this is, is a strength that I didn't know I had because I had a foundation of Jesus. 
that, you know what? Adam is with the King of Kings. He's with the Lord of Lords. And it was almost a moment of hope, not defeat. It was, no, I'm like, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? No, you don't have it. Yes, Adam died, but Adam is celebrating on the streets of heaven. And if he could knock down just a little piece of that gold road to bless us, that would be awesome, right? I'm just kidding. But I, I celebrate the life that that man lived to bring about something new inside of me that I didn't know I needed or, or I had. It was a view of eternity. And, and what I've learned is it's not about what is inside of you. I think a lot of us seem like, man, I just need more courage or man, I just need more strength. No, it's about who is inside of you. Jesus, the son of God who died on the cross resides inside of you. He's in us. It's not about what is in you, it's about who is in you. And with that type of courage of knowing who is inside of me, I think all of us can move forward at a greater pace. All of us can step into something new knowing that, man, it is Jesus Christ who is inside of me. And what I wanna talk about today is letting go. The pastor talked about letting go a few weeks ago, but I wanna talk about after you let go and before you grab a hold of a new goal, a new vision for your life, a new plan for your life, as you let go of past things, before you let go, let's have an honest evaluation of where we are, of who am I? See, letting go of past pains, last, lost, uh, past habits, some hurts, some failures, and even letting go of some successes. I think uh, at any point in, in time, uh, there's uh, this thing that we all have inside of us. It's called an Uncle Rico syndrome. Uh, anybody watch Napoleon Dynamite? Amen. Anybody? Yeah, amen. Thank you. She's like, here preaching now, brother, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, those are the real Christians. If you watch Napoleon Dynamite, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, Uncle Rico is a character and he is stuck on his failed student athlete career in high school. Like he cannot move away from it, uh, but it's not what you think. It's not like he's like, man, like I, I failed. He like thinks he was like amazing, even though he was terrible. And he thinks he was just like the best quarterback, right? Like man, I bet you I throw a football over the mountains. So you've probably heard that quote before. Or uh, man, if coach would have put me in, we would have won state. Okay, this guy is stuck on his past. I think at, all, at one point or another, all of us get stuck on something in our past. Whether it be a past success or a past failure, I don't know what it is, um, but we, we sometimes put our, our uh, identity in these past achievements or these past failures. And maybe it's why you're, you might be afraid to step out and do something new because last time you did something new, you failed at it. And so you're like, eh, maybe not. So that's a little bit of an Uncle Rico syndrome. Or maybe you're like, man, I'm the best at this. And you step out and you're like overly confident and you under deliver. Ever been there before, right? Uh, yeah, I've been there, right? And so it's like, uh, some, I think all of us have this Uncle Rico syndrome in one way or another, whether great or, or small, I think all of us can relate to living in the past a little too long. I think we can all, all relate to that. Uh, and this can happen to anybody. Uh, I, I've, I've been on... Uh, staff at, at churches before, and I hear pastors or I hear uh, church congregants, they say, man, the church used to be so great, or the church used to do this, or the church used to do that. Man, I don't, I don't know, but I love where church is now. I, I'm loving what God is doing. And yes, as 2022 gets darker, I believe that our, the, the light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gets brighter, Amen. that as it gets darker and harder, I believe my hope gets stronger and more solid and more firm. That's the God that I serve. I don't know what God you serve, but that's the God I serve, the God of strength, the God of power, the God who is there in the midst of the darkness. And so I'm fully hopeful on the future of church. 
not just our church, like I am stoked on the future of our church, but I'm saying the church capital C as a whole, I am so excited about where the church is going. I'm so excited to hear that people are getting saved. I'm so excited to hear that people are getting delivered. I'm so excited to hear that people are breaking addictions and, and things are, are changing their lives and miracles are happening. I'm not looking to the past to see what God will do. I'm looking to see in the here and the now what God will do today. That's where I'm at. So I'm telling you right now, if you come at me and say, the church used to do this, I'll say, great. And it was great for that season. But it's now 2022, we're moving forward. We're doing this now. This, this is where we're going and we are excited about it. Yeah. I won't be mad at you if you say it, but I will instruct you. No, we're looking to the future. We're looking into what's next. God is doing great things now. He didn't just used to do great things in the 90s. He didn't just do great things in the early 2000s. He didn't do just great things only in the 70s and the 80s, right? I believe God is doing something great in 2022 at Change Life Church and the church as a whole, and not just worldwide, but at least in America, I know that God is doing something great. I know he is. And I want to step into what he has, so I'm gonna let go of what used to be. I'm refocusing, I'm re-aiming, and I'm taking the time to decipher the direction that God has for me as an individual, for me as a husband, and for me as a dad, and for me even as a pastor. What does God have what's next for me? So what do we do in this middle ground? Letting go and reaching out to what's next. What do we do in this middle area? And so we're gonna continue on in the same paragraph that Pastor and I have been in, uh, Philippians chapter three. It's amazing how many sermons you can get out of one paragraph that just shows you the depth of God's word and how much is really there. Philippians is, is one of my most favorite books. And so we've been sitting on Philippians chapter three and I'm there today. So Philippians chapter three, verses 14 through 20, it says this. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Listen to these things now. He says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame and who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we get into this day, let me remind you that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are no longer a citizen of this world, okay? You are not a citizen of this world. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are no longer a citizen. What does that mean exactly? Before you are an American, you are a Christian. Before you are a husband or a wife, you are a Christian. Before you are a dad or a mom, you are a Christian. What do I mean when I say all this? Jesus should come first in every area of our lives. I should find my identity of being a dad in the father. I should find my identity as being a spouse through Jesus. I should find my identity as being an employee through Jesus. That's exactly what I'm talking about is we should focus everything under the fact that I am a follower of Jesus. A few years ago, I was in Greece and uh, 
I had a great time. It was awesome. We were working with refugees coming out of Syria uh, who were chased out by ISIS, like at gunpoint, like leave now or I will kill you. I, I had so many stories of people who had guns pointed at them saying, if you don't leave, I'm gonna kill you right now. A crazy, crazy stories. They left everything and they leave Syria and they flee. And Europe, I mean, you guys heard about, I'm sure you guys heard on the news, all the, the refugees coming out of Syria and Iran and everything. I was there with them in Athens. And it was, it was an amazing experience of being able to be with them and share the gospel. So many Muslims coming to Jesus. Jesus. We led so many people to Jesus that trip. It was amazing. Um, but we're there and it was very obvious that uh, I was a white boy from America. Uh, every Greek man and woman I walked by, they knew right away, it, that boy's not from here. He's American. Why? Because I was walking around with my phone, taking a picture of everything. Like I'd walk on the streets and be like, take a picture of this rock. Like why? I'm like, because it's a Greek rock. Just take a picture of the rock. It's just important that we remember what this rock looked like. And it doesn't look any different than a rock here, but it, it was a Greek rock. It was an American rock. Okay, it was amazing. And we're taking pictures of everything. You know, it was very obvious that I stood out. It was very obvious that I didn't fit into the mold of what a Greek man should look like in Greece. It was very obvious that this boy's American. It was, it was kind of funny. We had a lot of stares, a lot of laughter. People made fun of me. I'm still trying to get over it, but I'm just kidding. But it was very obvious that I stood out. And if we're not citizens of this world, then we should stand out like that, is what I'm getting at. We should stand out from among the people of this world because I am a follower of Jesus before I'm anything else. I am, I am, I am a Christian first. I am a follower of him first. So I should walk around and because of my actions, not because of the way I'm dressed, but because of my actions, I should stand out. People should know there's something different about you. You don't fit in here. That's the reality of, of being a Christian in today's world. We should stand out. And I say this because Paul says, for many walk of whom I often tell you and tell you now even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. For many walk. And I tell you now that many are the enemies of the cross of Christ. I read that as I started studying this out a few weeks ago and I kind of just paused. I was like, hold on a second. For many walk, but many are the enemies of the cross of Christ. He's saying, for many are claiming to walk and follow Jesus, but many of those who claim this are enemies of his cross. And that kind of shook me. I was kind of shocked. And then he goes on and he mentions four things of people who claim to walk, but they are enemies of the cross of Christ. He says, these are the four things you need to look out for. The four things. The first thing he says is this, whose end is destruction. They claim to walk, but they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Meaning, number one, whose end is destruction. My first question is, do you have a vision? Do you have a vision? Do you have a goal? Do you have something that you are reaching out to? You know, when we're in high school or, or college, uh, you get asked this all the time. What are you gonna do with your life? All the time. I remember being like a freshman. Someone asked me, I was like, I don't know. I gotta go to geometry. Like, what are you talking about, right? Sophomore kind of comes around every time you get together with your, you know, your, your relatives. Your, what are you going to do with your life? I don't know. Stop asking, right? By the time you're a junior, you're really annoyed by it. And by the time you're a senior, you're just like, huh? Right? You're just, you don't know, right? And then we go to college and we get asked all the time, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? I went to Bible college, so that question really didn't apply to me. He's like, what do you want to do with your life? I want, I want to preach. Like, like, like everyone else here. So it was a little different for me in college, but if you went to a regular college, you totally know what I'm talking about. What are you gonna do with your life? My question this morning, why do we stop asking that question? Man, we, so we what? We, we reach our, our early to mid twenties and we just stop aiming for the future? 
We stop asking people what they're trying to reach for in their life. There's a whole lot more life to be lived. Yeah. We're going to stop asking at 23, what do you want to do with your life? No. One of the best things you can do is ask your spouse, what do you want to do with your life? Every year, Kristen and I on our anniversary, September 10th, we go to a nice dinner. And the first question we ask, it's like, we know it's coming. And so we get there and we sit down. What goals do you have this year? What, not, not goals as in you as a person. What goals for our marriage? We're specific. What goals for our marriage do we have this year? We ask that every single anniversary. I can guarantee you when we go out to dinner this year, this September, it will be what goals do you have for our marriage this year? Right off the bat, it's just what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna put a vision for our marriage together. And we're gonna aim for something. We're gonna say, we're gonna grow in this. We're not gonna stop asking the question, what do you wanna do with your life? You're 30, okay, what do you wanna do with your life? You're 40, okay, what do you wanna do with your life? You're 60, okay, what do you wanna do with your life? You're 70, okay, what do you wanna do with your life? There's still opportunity available to you. You're alive, you've got a heartbeat. There's millions and billions of people who have died who don't have the heartbeat that you have. You have opportunity. Let's grab a hold of the opportunity in front of us. And I ask you today, and it's the question I want you to run home with, is what do you wanna do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Have we just accepted the mundane? Have we gotten to a place where we just have no flavor? It's just a bland outlook on the future. Have you gotten to a place where you've arrived in your marriage where you just don't have any more goals? You don't have a vision of what you want it to grow in? Have you gotten to a place in your health where you're just like, yeah, I'm healthy, I'm good, I'm done. Have we gotten to a place where we've given up on our dreams because we settled for a lesser reality? Come on, let's, let's move forward. Do you have a vision five years from now? What do you want your life to look like? What do you want your finances to reflect the next January as it comes around? What do you want your life to look like? Don't, don't finish high school and college and stop asking the question, what do you want to do? Keep asking yourself, what do I want to do? The, the Bible even says in the book of Habakkuk, without vision, my people perish. We should be people with vision we should be people with an unction driving us forward saying, yes, I have something ahead of me that I'm working towards. Paul said, their end is destruction. But what is your end? What is the end that you have in mind? See, you can set direction and by being off just a small degree, it can send you to the wrong destination. If you stand on the equator of our planet and you make a one degree turn, slight one degree, and if you walk the entire 25,000 miles of the earth, you will be 500 miles north of the equator by the time you get around. And I know none of us in this room will ever walk the face of the earth because there's some oceans in the way. I get that. But we do go around all 25,000 miles every 24 hours. And then we wonder at the end of not chasing our goals, not chasing our dreams, why we're so far away from our destination because we've lived our lives unfocused. We've lived our lives with the wrong direction in mind, the wrong focus, and just being a little bit off. Every day we get further and further away from the dream and the reality that we've always wanted, just by being off the smallest degree. I don't wanna be that person. I want to be someone who says, you know what? I've got the direction in mind because I know where I'm going. My goal is set. My destination is there. That's who God has called me and created me to be. I'm aiming towards that. See, who you want to be will set the destination, but your goals will set the direction. What do I mean by that? Say you have a goal to climb Mount Everest. 
I'm letting you know right now, I think Mount Everest is covered with people with great intentions of climbing that mountain and now are part of the mountain. Okay? I don't want to be one of those people. I ain't going to climb Mount Everest. But just say that I did, okay? Say that I wanted to climb Mount Everest. I would not just jump on a plane here at Boise and fly and just go to Mount Everest and start walking up the hill. Like, no. What am I going to do? Well, I live here in Boise, so I'm going to start with like the Boise Grand Slam, the four hikes, and I'm going to start there. I'm going to start with something. So even though my goal is taking me a different direction than, say, right to my destination, my goal is building me up the stamina and the strength that I need to one day conquer what I'm actually going after. So Everest might be the destination, but your goals are going to take you to certain areas and different aspects of life that we all need strength and, and growth in. So let your goals be in front of you. Let them be achievable. Let them be attainable so that one day you can get to the destination that God has for you. The second thing that Paul warns, he says, for many walk, and I tell you now even weeping that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. He says this number two, whose God is their appetite. I think all of us can relate to hunger. I, I think every single one of us in this room knows what it's like to be hungry. I remember when I was a teenager and I would go to the kitchen every hour on the hour. It was almost like I had an alarm clock, right? And I would go to the kitchen and I would look for a snack. No, excuse me. I would look for a giant snack or a meal. Like every hour, like just give me food. I want food nonstop. And my mom, I think she had Ring doorbell cameras before Ring even had doorbell cameras, right? I would like touch the pantry at like 11 o'clock at night and my mom would just down the hallway. I'm like, I'm dead, right? Like she would like, the kitchen is shut down. Get out of here, right? But because I made like a terrible mess every single night, I think it's still a habit. My wife still says the same thing, but I, I just like food. And sometimes I like a midnight snack or three midnight snacks. I'm there, okay? Like I'm, I'm all for it. And uh, I just, I just love food. I, I, I was always hungry. I didn't grow clearly, um, but I was hungry and I ate a lot of food. I think all of us knows what it's like to be really hungry and eat a lot of food. And really that habit of mine lasted until I was about 29. Because at 29, they say your, your body, you know, 30, your body starts to change. I thought they were lying. Like, I don't know why the good Lord made us this way, but 30 was a rough year for me. It was like, whoa, I better slow this down, right? I never thought I'd have a dad bod, right? I still don't. I have a father figure and there's a difference, okay? But... <clears throat> I had to change some habits. I had to change some things. I had to get back in the gym and I had to make sure I stayed there because I was like, I grew up super athletic, played a bunch of sports, was always working out. Like I, I had to get back to, back to that because I was like, if I, if I stay on McDonald's right now, McDonald's, I'm gonna be a McStevie real quick. Like I will not be, no, uh-uh, I gotta change it. Even last night, the, my, my beautiful wife over there was like, I want a cheeseburger from McDonald's. So being the good husband that I am, I, I went and I was like, man, I really want a Big Mac. Like, Mm, I could put down a Big Mac or two, but I'm not going to because what it does to my stomach is monstrous, okay? It's just, it's not gonna happen. If you can relate, okay? You understand. My kids love McDonald's. Apparently my wife does too. I cannot eat it. Like I just, uh-uh, I'm good, right? I have had to learn to put those things aside and say, I'm, I'm kind of done with the Mickey D's. Like it's just no more McDizzle for Stevie. I'm, I'm good. But, but in all honesty this morning, number two is what are you feeding yourself? What are you feeding yourself? You see, what is our mental, spiritual, and yes, even physical diet? What, what is our diet consist of? Are you taking the proper steps to promote health in your heart and in your body? 
I think this is a subject that usually doesn't get talked about in churches, but the Bible actually is very clear on it, that we should be people who take care of our bodies. The Bible even tells us in 1 Corinthians that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What are you welcoming through the doors? What am I welcoming through the doors into my life? It's mentally, spiritually, and yes, physically. My mom used to always tell me this when I was growing up, Stevie, garbage in, garbage out. That is so true. That is so true. What I allow into my life, whether mentally, spiritually, or physically, is what's gonna come out of me. It will either be healthy or it will be trash. So do we have a healthy diet spiritually and physically? See, just as much as we serve God spiritually, we should also serve him physically. I know this is that when God speaks and gives me a task or something to obey him in, I wanna make sure that my body is up for it. I need to take care of my body. Again, who do you wanna be in five years? Your physical state will have a say in that. That's a reality that none of us can accept. And I don't wanna spend a lot of time harping on this. I don't want anybody leaving today feeling condemned or anything like that. We're all in the same boat together. All I'm saying is we should be people who are taking the proper steps mentally, spiritually, and physically to take care of ourselves. Who do you wanna be in five years? Again, your physical aspect of your life will play a role in that. So in my heart, am I taking his word? In, in my prayer time, am I, am I feeding on his presence? And again, am I taking care of myself physically? Those are questions I ask myself. I will leave them in your hands to ask yourself. But Paul goes on and he wraps this up. The final thing he says is, whose glory is in their shame? He says, for many walk, of whom I often told you and tell you now with tears in my eyes that many are the enemy of the cross of Christ. Let me tell you right now, it's impossible to set new goals without looking at your current situation. It's impossible to, to see what you, what's going on. Or sorry, I have one more point after this. Sorry, I'm on point number three, huh? But it's impossible to set new goals without looking at your current state. Where I am and what I'm going through now is what's really priming me to realize that I want something more in life. Where I'm at is what's telling me, hey, God has something new. I don't wanna be just this. I'm not gonna settle for just this. I wanna reach out into what is next for me. So we talked about what you're allowing in. Now I wanna ask you, what are you giving yourself to? Number three, what are you, what are you giving yourself to? Do, do we have an issue that we've decided to stop fighting? Do, do we have a sin that we've stopped trying to give up on? That we just, ah, I just I'm, I'm done fighting this sin. I'm just, it's something I'm always gonna have. I'm always gonna just deal with this temptation, this struggle, so I'm just gonna give into it. I'm gonna tell you right now, as long as there's air in your lungs, you will have a battle with sin. That is part of being a human and part of being a Christian. You will have a battle with sin forever. And so often we give up the fight because the shame is overwhelming. We give up the fight because it's just hard to overcome that sin. And sometimes just in all honesty, we just enjoy the sin a little too much. So why fight it? Let's, let's be real. The Bible even says sin is fun for a season. Otherwise it wouldn't be tempting. If it wasn't fun, what's the point? But because it's fun, because it is, has that excitement to it. Let's just be real with what sin is this morning. It's tempting. It sounds exciting. Man, no, 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 come on. Today, we've got to say, you know what? I'm gonna be someone who stands against the temptations and the sins in my life. See, to glory and shame is to accept sin and the issue and refuse to walk away from it. That's what it means. To, 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 to glorify something means you give yourself to it. And, and so many times I hear in churches, is, oh man, I, you just need to repent. You need to repent. 
And so many of us think that repentance looks like this. God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. That's not repentance. Asking God for forgiveness is not repentance. I don't know whoever told you that. I don't know whoever started that thought, but that is not what the Bible calls repentance. Repentance does not look like this. God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. That's, that's not repentance. Let me show you repentance. This is repentance. Turn around and walk away. Turn around and change direction. That's repentance. That's why Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all four gospels of the New Testament, he says to people over and over and over again, go and sin no more, meaning go change your direction because the road that got you here is gonna bring you right back here. It's like insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. No, Jesus said repeatedly, change direction. To repent, to really follow Jesus is to say, I'm turning away from this and I'm going a completely new direction. We're gonna celebrate in just a few minutes with those getting baptized, that, of people who have said, I'm changing direction. I am not following my old life. I am following a new way, a new path towards Jesus. By the way, if you are getting baptized, go ahead and get ready now. We're about to wrap this up in just a minute. But we've got to change direction. That's what it means to repent. We've got to go a completely different way, which would lead us to a different destination. And again, when we glorify something by giving ourselves to it, as a child of God, we're not called to give ourselves to sin, to glorify sin. We're called to give ourselves to Jesus for his glory. Again, to glorify Jesus does not mean to stand up and worship and say, Jesus, I glorify you. To glorify Jesus means to give him your life. Saying, Jesus, I have no sacrifice to give other than me and I give it to you. And that is how we give Jesus glory, when we give him control. So what are you giving yourself to? I, I wanna be someone who's giving myself to Jesus, not to sin. I don't wanna accept sin. I don't wanna just move on and just pretend that I'm just gonna always have this sin issue in my life and I'm just gonna embrace it and say, I'm just gonna do it then anyways. No, that is completely contrary to the grace of Jesus Christ. I am gonna do everything in my power to overcome. And I'm gonna rely on the Holy Spirit to bring freedom into my life. Hopefully you're in the same boat with me. Now the final point, the final thing that Paul says is who set their minds on earthly things. Who set their minds on earthly things. I think it's very easy to look at the temporary, to look at what's around us, to look at the world, to look at the earth, to look at our situations and to see that as final. But no, I'm gonna tell you right now this morning, the greatest asset that you have as a Christian is your hope. The greatest strength, the greatest everything in your life is your hope in Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus, the greatest tool that you have is hope. Uh, even the book of Hebrews tells us that hope is the anchor of our soul. We should be people of hope. That's who we are called and created to be. And when thinking about setting your mind on earthly things and thinking about our hope, my question to you this morning as we begin to wrap this up is what is your strongest thoughts? What is your strongest thought? Is it on the temporary or is it on the eternal? See, I've had moments where I'm about to do something that I know is wrong. That I'm like, oh, I should not do this. I just know I should not do this. But I'm about to do it. I'm about to step into it. I'm like, ah, you know what really pushes me away from, from doing that? When I start asking myself, what about eternity? And when I start to think with an eternal mindset, the actions the words and the thoughts that I think really start to change. When I think about it, 
eternity. Let, let me drive this home for you. Eternity, if you don't know this yet, is forever. <laughs> okay? As a Christian, when I start to think of eternity, I start to get a little, not worried, but a little like focused on my actions. Like, uh, hold on a second. Am I, am, am I in line with Jesus and his word? Am I, am I thinking temporal or am I thinking eternally? Am I, am I thinking about what he has forever? Because the moment I start thinking about what is forever, my actions, my words, and my thoughts will change just like they will for you. We've, we've got to be people who are not focused on the temporary. We've got to be people who are focused on the eternal with a hope. Jeremiah 29, Jesus, or the, the word tells us that, man, I have a hope for you, something to look forward to. So, so many of us, we get kind of afraid of the future. No, embrace the future with hope. God has something good for us. And it comes down to basically boiling it down like this. We need a life of faith. In Jesus, see, if I have a, a life of, of faith in, in his word and who he is, then that faith is gonna give me the destination, my end that I wanna be, that faith is gonna birth my identity. That faith is gonna give me a, a perspective on what's healthy to allow into my home and in my heart. That faith is, in God is gonna give me the ability to overcome sin. And that faith in God is gonna give me a mindset for eternal purposes. What does a life of faith look like? What does it mean to, to live a life of faith? Let, let me tell you, and I'm going to do it with a fun fact. Do you guys like fun facts? Yeah. I love fun facts. They're, they're, they're fun. Did you know that a rhino can only see about 15 feet? That's like me to the front row, okay? By the time 30 feet is up, that rhino can't see anything. It's like abyss, just gone. <laughs> it just doesn't exist for that rhino. 15 to, 15 to 30 feet is just blurry. He can't see much of anything. Uh, he can see 15 feet. Okay, decently, he can see 15 feet, okay? And I, I think that's similar. And what I'm, what I'm getting at, you're like, what in the world are you talking about rhinos for? Let me, let me wrap this up. Let me get there. I think many of us are, not many of us, all of us are just like this rhino. We don't know what's gonna happen in 15 seconds. We can't see the future at all. We have no idea what's there. We have no idea what's in front of us. You have no idea what the rest of the day holds. You have no idea what tomorrow holds. Just like a rhino has no idea what's at 16 feet, especially what's at 31 feet. A rhino has no idea. But did you know this about a rhino? A rhino can run 30 miles per hour. That's fast. That's like faster than humans. Like Usain Bolt and a rhino, go. The rhino's gonna win. Like that's crazy. Now, not only that, but did you know that rhinos weigh 5,000 pounds? That's a lot of meat. <laughs> and it's moving quick. Like, that's crazy. I don't know if you've ever seen a rhino charge something. I've seen videos of rhinos charging and flipping little cars. I can flip cars too, I just don't. But <laughs> I'm kidding. But 5,000 pounds running 30 miles per hour and it can see 15 feet. I did, a math. I did the math because I'm a math nerd. Okay, I'm sorry I did it. But 30 miles per hour is 44 feet per second per second. So you're telling me that a rhino can run 44 feet in one second, but it can only see 15 feet? That's impressive. You know why they know a rhino has, can run that fast? Because rhinos do it. And, and you look at it and you go, this, this, this dumb animal, he's going to get hurt. No, he's not. He's 5,000 pounds. He's not going to get hurt at 31 feet. 
I can tell you what though, whatever's at 31 feet is gonna feel an impact. The rhino's not sitting there thinking, man, I hope nothing's there. He's running full speed, knowing his strength, knowing his ability and knowing what's ever at 31 feet had better brace for impact or move. The rhino's not gonna move. That's faith. That's, that's what our lives should look like. We should run full speed ahead. Who cares what's at 31 feet? Actually, you wanna know what's at 31 feet? Impact. But not that. I'm talking about the impact of a life of faith on your family. I'm talking about the impact of a life of faith on your marriage. I'm talking about the life of faith of an impact on your home. You, you want climate change? You, you want the atmosphere of your home to change? It's a life of faith. It's embracing what God has for you. It's running towards a destination with all of your goals in mind, with all of your focus fixed ahead of you and running straight ahead. But Pastor Stevie, what, what if at 31 feet I fail? You will. If you're not failing, you're not trying. Let me tell you right now, yes, you have past successes. Yes, you have past failures. And in the future, you're gonna have a whole lot of success. You're also gonna have a whole lot of failure. That's part of life. Don't sit back or shy back or not run because you're afraid of the 31st foot. Run full speed ahead. Go after what God has put in front of you. He's given you dreams, he's given you desires. Start asking yourself the question again, what do I wanna do with my life? Today is just as good as any other day to ask. What do you wanna do with your life? Let go of what was, stop being like Uncle Rico and living on the past failures and living on the past successes and step into what God has for 2022 and beyond. No, let's, let's be real here. New Year's resolutions. Okay, cool. We're in January. Yeah, we're talking about, you know, New Year's resolutions a little bit somewhat here and there, but no one ever follows through. So let's just do February 1st. Okay. February 1st resolutions. <laughs> what does God have for you? And when, it, when, when you have a desire, a desired outcome or a destination that you want to reach, run full speed ahead and make an impact. It's, it's a life of faith. See, when my friend died when I was 18 years old, yes, I was hurt, I was broken, I, was, I felt lost at times, I felt confused. But it wasn't that Adam gave me a strength to overcome this moment. Yes, he coached me and, and helped me make the greatest decision of my life to follow Jesus on April 1st. But let's, let's be real here, it wasn't Adam that gave me a strength to overcome that moment. It was because I made a, dis, a decision to follow Jesus years prior. I'm all in with Jesus. Like, I don't care what it is. I'm following Jesus no matter what. It was that decision that changed me. It, it was just an experience that I had of losing a great friend to make me realize the severity of following Jesus. That I'm not mourning that he's gone. I'm celebrating that he's with the one I follow. And that's what I'm getting at is there's a strength in you that you don't know you have, or maybe you do and you've lived this life of faith, but I'm telling you, even still, there is more ahead of you, more success and more failure. Step into it. Let the impact happen. Run full speed ahead at the desires and the destination that God has placed within your heart. Run after it. And we're in this room today. If I could have every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you're getting baptized, go ahead and work your way over here to the front on my left, your right. I just wanna ask this question as we wrap this up. Is there anybody in this room, you say, you know what? 
I have never given my life to Jesus and I want to live a life of faith today. You're watching online, make, in the comments, just write, that's me. But anybody in this room, would you do me a favor and raise your hand? If that's you, you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus today. I'm looking around. Anybody in this room? Awesome, thank you for that hand. That is awesome. How exciting. That's what I'm gonna do is every single one of us, if we could repeat this prayer after me, this prayer doesn't get you saved. This prayer just starts you on a journey to say, you know what, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm repenting and I'm changing direction today. So I wanna do this. If everyone would repeat this prayer after me, say, Father in heaven, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. And I ask that you would give me a life of faith in your son. Today, Jesus, you are my Lord. And for the rest of my life, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna change direction and I'm gonna follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate with that person today? How exciting, how awesome. Best decision ever. Uh, as you can see, we have...